So good, to, so good to be with you. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Psalm chapter 3? Psalm chapter 3 It's where we'll be tonight. It is a great privilege to be with you all. have my wife here. Last time I was here, 2019, I was uh, leading a trip of 70 high school, middle school students, and wife wasn't able to attend, uh, be with us, but uh, she's here this, this time with us. We also celebrated Liz Joa's wedding over the weekend, and uh, so it's, we, we love coming, visiting, and uh, we also have three little boys. They're not with us. Uh, they're at home with grandparents, so they're getting spoiled, rotten while we're gone. Um, we have three boys, seven, five, and a year and a half, and so our house is busy and messy and fun, so having a good time. And, uh, but uh, man, I just want to tell you before we jump into this passage that it is... Um, it's always an honor to open God's Word, but especially in uh, a church uh, where one of your best friends is pastoring. Um, I don't count this, uh, take this privilege lightly. Um, here's something I, I just want to tell you about your pastor. I love your pastor. Um, your pastor loves you. Anytime I talk to him, and it's often, the text, phone, he's down in Memphis. He always wants to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, get some wings, so I got to take him there. He makes me pay for it. But whatever, um, any conversation, you come up. You see the light in his eyes, the love in his eyes for you. And something about your pastor, and this is just what I want to say about him. Uh, he is faithfully passionate. You know his passion, right? You've seen it. He's faithfully passionate about God, about his word. He's faithfully passionate about his family. And he's faithfully passionate about you. And let me just tell you, that's a rare thing in our day. So it's a, it's a great honor to be uh, with you today. Psalm chapter 3, we're going to read it in a second. I want to tell you just a quick story, kind of set the stage of where we're going today. Uh, my oldest son, whose name is Webb, um, he's seven, and uh, here there in Memphis, I know you guys have a lot going on here in New York too, but we, are, we only have one professional team, um, that's the Memphis Grizzlies, and so we are big Grizzly fans. John Morant's going to win MVP this year. We just know it. Uh, so uh, we love the Grizzlies. My son, who's seven, started to play basketball his first year this past winter, and uh, looking forward to it again. But he dove headfirst into basketball, like watching videos. He wants to watch the replays of the games. Uh, he, he's, he's all in. He, he watches uh, one of Ja do a move, and he goes out to the driveway to try to, try to emulate that move. And, uh, but one of the things you know this about if you've ever taught somebody a new skill or specifically a sport like basketball, um, uh, one of the things we, we try to teach him is, you know, the basics, the fundamentals, trying to dribble. And uh, he goes out there and the first time he's he teach him how to dribble and he's just staring at the ball, dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. And then his first game, his practice, and his first game came up and he was just looking at the floor dribbling. And what was I doing from the sideline? I was yelling, look up, right? Get your head up. Right? You've got to learn how to dribble with your head up. Why? So you don't miss anything. So you don't miss the defender. So you don't miss that pass. So you don't miss that thing. And it was just over and over. Webb, head up. Look up. Look up. And I think uh, in the Christian life, God has called us to live lives with confidence, with our heads up. And so I've titled this message tonight, Look Up. Look up, live with confidence. In Psalm chapter 3, 
David is pinning this psalm in context. He is running for his life. Um, Jonathan quoted Psalm 63 a little bit ago. That's another pen, uh, psalm that he penned in this same season of life where he's, where he's fleeing. His son Absalom is trying to kill him, has uh, uh, developed this coup. They're trying to take over, and uh, he's run him out of his temple. He's run King David out of the, out of the country, out of his, out of, away from his family. He's in hiding. Absalom's trying to kill him, right? So, so in this moment, he's, he's hidden down. He's surrounded by an enemy, and these are the words that he pens in Psalm chapter 3. You can read about this instance in 2 Samuel 15 for more context. But uh, so let's read it together. Let's read it together, Psalm, Psalm chapter 3. And I know, I know we just uh, sat down. Would you stand up as we read, to, read God's Word together in honor of His Word? It says this, David, penning in that, knowing that context, it says this, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me, and many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Verse 3, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Would you pray with me? Father, as we look at your word, your text, uh, your living and active word, God, I pray that it would, it, would, it would impress itself on our hearts. God, your presence would fill this space and, and, and speak to us in this moment. God, I pray that you would uh, give us um, renewed strength and confidence to live the life that you've called us to live, to, to live with our heads lifted high, to look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. So God, speak to us in this moment is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. There's Psalm chapter 3. We're going to take a look at this this evening. Again, titled this message, Look Up. Look up. Look up. God has called us to live with confidence. Like as believers, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you've already won. And that allows us to live with confidence. Right? We're free of sin and, and bondage and, and, and slavery. We're, we're, we're free people. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a, here's a statement. I've just called it my introductory statement. If you're taking notes, I, I just want to, I want to give you this as we launch into this text. I've said it like this, that the, the, the enemy seeks to discourage us and to keep us from living out God's plans and purposes for our life. The enemy seeks to discourage us and keep us from living out God's plan and purposes for our life. So often we walk through life discouraged. So often we live uh, in defeat. We, we, we live in fear as believers. 
But I believe God teaches and God wants us to live a life of confidence, to live out his plan for our life, to not be struck in fear, to not be struck by discouragement, defeat. Listen, those are all real emotions and they come, but not to live out of that. We live from a place of victory, right? This is what God has called us to. And so we see here in Psalm 3, this is David's response to being completely surrounded by the enemy. Anybody ever felt that? You felt your life is just like, what is going on? I don't have anywhere to turn. You've, I don't know what's next. I feel like God's distant from you. This is where David, this is where David finds himself. In a moment of, of deep darkness. And he writes this psalm. I love it so much. I, I want to give you three statements as we unpack this tonight. This is David's response to being surrounded by the enemy. Number one. He, it's just simple because I'm a simple man. He, he saw the enemy. He saw the enemy. And I think that's something we need to do <laughs> a little more often in our life. There is a very real enemy in our world. This is what David said. He, look at verse 1. He says, uh, oh, Lord, how, how many are my foes? Like many are rising against me. There's a lot of folks out there. This, there's a real enemy out to get me. The enemy is very real. We face a very real adversary who does not like what you're doing right now, who does not like you praying, spending time in God's word, sharing the gospel with other people. He hates that. He'll do anything he can to keep you from living that, out that life. In fact, 1 Peter 5.8, Peter would write this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, pro, uh, 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 prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There's a very real enemy. Paul would say in Ephesians 6, for, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's a very real enemy. And often what happens is the enemy uh, it's what we see here, multiplies himself in our minds. It makes the problem around us seem larger, right? This is what David's saying. How, how many? I can't even count them. There's so many people around me. Like, we don't have any way of knowing how many that was, but he's saying, there's so many are my foes, my enemies. Many are rising against me. Oftentimes, the enemy multiplies himself in our minds. How many times, how many times do I, how many times do we encounter a difficulty and I make the problem bigger than it actually is? Right? Did you say, you've heard that stat that 90% of the things you worry about never happen? Right? I don't know if that's true. Nobody said that, but like a lot of times we worry about these things that we have no control over, that we don't allow, but, but this, this, the, the enemy uses that in our minds to distract us to keep us from living out God's plans and purpose for life, to discourage us. I remember, I remember uh, about a couple years ago, I took a trip with uh, three other guys. We went down to the Amazon River of Brazil, and uh, we lived on this boat. Uh, been with my wife about 10 years ago, but four years ago was me and three other guys. We lived in hammocks on this boat. We traveled around to different villages to share the gospel, and uh, we, were, we built a church there. And for about 10 days, we lived on this boat. And one of the nights, we were just hanging out, and one of the locals came by on his canoe. And uh, this is no electricity, no, no nothing. This is very extremely rural uh, part of Brazil. You had to go 24 hours up the Amazon River to get to this place. Um, and uh, he says, he comes to us, and he says, hey, do you guys want to go fishing? 
I was like, sure. Man, I'd love to go fishing. We're going night fishing. He's bring your headlamp, and we're going to go spear some fish. I was like, yeah. I mean, who, I mean who, how often do we get a chance to go in the Amazon River and fish? I was like, sure, I'll go. All three of the other guys said, no, nah, we're good. We're not going out there. And I was like, well, I'm still in. So I was, I was in the middle of this canoe. It was a little three-person canoe with two Brazilian uh, gentlemen. I didn't speak any English. One spoke a little broken English. And I was in the middle. And so I was, I was so confident, right? I was going to kill some fish. I was going to be a man, right, and uh, do manly things. And, and I'm not that, by the way, usually. And so I, we went out there, and we started to paddle. Uh, again, no motor or anything. Paddle around, and we went up these little tributaries of the Amazon River. And one of the guys turned to me and he said, this part of the river, in broken English, is uh, called the river of the big snake. And I said, uh, come again? Like, you didn't tell me this before I got on this canoe? He said, uh, he said last week we killed a 15-foot anaconda right up here. And I said, okay, like I'm going to die. My kids are going to have no father. My wife's going to have no husband. Here I go. And so we're out, we're out this and Listen, for me, I, I couldn't think about fishing in this moment. I was thinking about these anacondas that were all around me or whatever it was around us. I was looking in the water for that, looking up in the trees. Like I, my mind was all over the place, all over the place. And then we get up to the, the edge of the bank. You're supposed to shine your light. And he says, also, every once in a while, just shine your headlamp up on the bank to make sure no jaguars have come down to the water. And I'm thinking, where am I? And what am I doing here? And so, man, the whole night, I was terrified. I didn't see any fish. I didn't care if I caught any fish. All I was worried about was the anacondas, the snakes, the jaguars, things that could kill me. But listen, I didn't see any of that stuff. But my mind was there. My mind was there, and it took me away. Those fears, those anxieties took me away from my purpose in that moment. But that's what happens in life a lot of times. And we have these fears that come upon us. We have these things that we think about that, that the enemy in, uh, puts in our mind or puts in our path, and we, and we focus all on that. It's good to see the enemy, but it's not, we can't allow that to, to take over our life. This is, at first, this is what it sounds like, David's happening. How, how many are my foes? This looks, this looks bleak. It looks like there's no hope for me. Like often our worry and focus on the problem or the obstacle in front of us makes it larger than it actually is. And it allows us to miss out on what God has for us in the present. But I want us to continue. Look at verse 2. Verse 1, back up. It says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me, and many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. So not, not only in this moment, Surrounded by the enemy, did he see the enemy, but he also heard the lies. He saw the enemy, and he heard the lies. He said, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Who's saying this? This, this unknown horde that's around him. He, did, he, he didn't know. This, this enemy, he's hearing these lies that many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. The enemy was whispering in his ear two things. You have no help and you have no hope. That's what the enemy was speaking to him. Nobody was actually saying that, but that was the enemy that he had planted in his mind that was around him. It was speaking those things over him. He, he heard those lies. I have no help in God. 
When the enemy whispers that in our ear, often it leads us to finding help in something else, which usually results in a life of sin. Leads us uh, down a dark path. The lies often from the enemy are you're outnumbered. Often the lies the enemy tells us uh, you're isolated. No one likes you. You're abandoned. You're forsaken. I mean, if we're honest, we've all been there. We've all felt that. Am I the only one? That's what we say in our life. I'm the only one struggling with this. I'm abandoned. I'm isolated. This is what the enemy was doing to David. Many are saying in my soul, there's no help. And there's no hope. Often, I believe the battle is in our mind. Because we know scripture Hebrews 13, 5 says, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So when the enemy's whispering, you have no help, you are forsaken, you are isolated, you are abandoned, then we can't live out of that lie because we as believers know the truth that he, God, will never leave us nor forsake us. I have no help from God, that's what the enemy says, and I have no hope from God. There is no salvation from God, is what the enemy said. Listen, Jesus Christ was forsaken on the cross so we don't have to be. We have, we have him as believers. We are people of incredible hope. Right? God has already won the victory for us. And in fact, Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God said this to Joshua in Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He saw the enemy. He heard the lies. My, my son, uh, again, Webb, my oldest son, uh, a little bit ago, we, we transitioned him, a couple years ago, transitioned him. He had this tricycle, right? This little bike with three wheels. Um, it's, it's not a bike with three wheels, it's a tricycle. It's three, a bike has two wheels, never mind. Um, so it was a tricycle, and we got him a big boy bike, right? But we, had, we put training wheels on it. We put training wheels on it to make it a little more secure until till he learns how to, how, to, how to do the real thing and balance on his own. Uh, but moving from tricycle, very safe, to a bike with training wheels, for him, it was this mind-blowing thing. I can't, he literally said, Dad, why'd you get that? I can't do that. I, I, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to get hurt. It's too big. I'm not good enough yet. That's what he said to us. He was believing the lies that were in his head. His daddy knew he was good enough. His daddy knew, you can do it. I'll be right there with you the whole time. I've got you. I'm not going to let you get hurt. Like, I got you. I'm with you. This is what God says to us, man. Stop believing and living out of the lies. Live out of the truth of the gospel, that you are, are, are loved, that you are accepted, that you, are, uh, you, have a, you have a family, that you are deeply loved. Stop believing the lies that you're hearing. We're going to hear them because the enemy is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said that's why the enemy has come in John 10.10. 10. We're going to hear the lies. We're going to see the enemy. But look, look, look third. Not only did he see the enemy, he saw the enemy, he heard the lies. Number three, he believed the promises. He believed 
the promises. Verse 3, but you, O Lord, I see the enemy, I hear the lies, and I'm struggling, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. David, in this moment, was believing the promises that God had made to him. He said, it says, but you, O Lord. What is that saying? That's saying, devil, you're a liar. Like, I hear you, I see you, but I'm not going to believe you. That's what he's saying there. But you, O Lord. Devil, you don't know what you're talking about. Devil, the Lord is on my side. Whom shall I fear? You are a shield about me. That's what it says. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. This is to be, the Hebrew term there is to be encompassed to be fully surrounded by, not, not just the idea of a shield that we have in battle in front of us, but this is an encompassing term, that he is a, 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 a complete covering for us. He's a shield about us, to be encompassed by, surrounded by. This is what David's saying, but you, O oh Lord, where I find my trust, you are a shield, an encompassing power for me. I don't know if you guys have a lot of, of them here, um, we, in, down, in, down south in, in Memphis specifically, it's kind of a tornado alley that runs through there. So every spring, we have a lot of tornadoes that come through, big storms that bring these, these tornadoes that do incredible destruction. And uh, every, I mean, every spring, it's several times, we have tornado sirens that go off. And when you hear the siren, you're supposed to go to your safe place in your home, closet something, get safe. And uh, wait, till it, wait till it goes off, because a siren means there's been a tornado spotted in your area, seat cover. And so this spring, a couple of times it happened. The first time, really, uh, early this spring, my, my five-year-old Henry, um, he, uh, so we had the, the sirens were going off, the big storm was happening, and, and Henry, we sat down in the hallway, in our center hallway, and Dad, Henry, Henry looked at me and he said, Dad, I'm scared. Dad, I'm scared of that siren. That's really what he was scared about. And he said this, Dad, will you hold me? Will you hold me? Well, what did he want in that moment? He didn't just want me to be near him. He didn't just want me to sit beside him. He wanted me to completely surround him, to hold him. Why? Because that made him safe. In that storm, I, you know, if it would hit our house, I don't know what would happen. But he felt safe. He, he knew that his dad had him. Oh, man, this is what David's saying. You, O Lord, are a shield about me. You encompass me. Can we believe that? Like God has said, I will never leave you. I'm with you. You are deeply loved. No matter what the, the life, this life brings your way, no matter the, the darkness or the storm that comes in your life, I've got you. You're mine. And he would say, no one can pluck you. Jesus would say, no one can pluck you from my hand. You're, you're secure. You're encompassed. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There's an enemy out there, sure, but greater is he that is in us, the spirit of God living in us. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory, my glory, he says. David, in this moment, was remembering who was in charge. You are my glory, not myself. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about you. My glory. It wasn't him, it wasn't the enemy, and it wasn't us. It isn't us. The Lord is in control. Psalm, Psalm 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. 
what can man do to me? That's an extremely confident statement. That's somebody who's believing the promises of God. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We've already won. Right? That's what he's saying. My glory and the lifter of my head. The lifter of my head. When, when we believe God's promises over us, that he will never leave us, that he will fight for us, Exodus 14, 14, that he loves us no matter what, that he will answer our prayers, that he will strengthen us, that he will, he will take care of our every need. When we believe the promises that God has spoken over us and in us and to us, we will regain our confidence in him, which is what David did. I didn't lift my head. David said, you, O oh Lord, are the lifter of my head. Because of your goodness, because of your faithfulness, because of your steadfast love, because of your grace, because of your mercy, you are the lifter of my head. You are the reason I can walk with confidence. Yeah, I can look up even when it looks bleak. That's what he says here. He was worried, sure. David was fearful, yes. He was, he was questioning. Can you imagine this moment? But when he remembered God's goodness and God's faithfulness, he could rest. He could continue with great confidence. He could look up and see the salvation of the Lord. This is what happens. Look, he says in verse 4, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy, holy hill. So what did I do? I lay down and slept. <laughs> I rested. He's in charge, not me. That's what he did. He, that's, a, that's incredible confidence. Enemies all around us, they're hearing the lies. I'm just going to lay down and take a nap for a second. God's got this. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. God's got this. He could look up and see, verse 8, the salvation belongs to the Lord. Whatever that looked like. He says, verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. But nothing from his circumstances has changed. He's still surrounded by the enemy. He's still been run out of his throne. He's still been run out of his kingdom, away from his family, away from his stuff. And he's saying, I have incredible confidence in God. Salvation belongs to him, whatever that looks like in our life. That's what David is saying. When we continually come back to the promises of God, we can then look up. His faithfulness in our life, his mercy in our life, allows us to look up. Recently, you know, when you have uh, three boys, you're going to have some fights that happen, right? Some arguments, some disagreements, especially between my older two who are just two years apart. Um, the other, not too long ago, my, my oldest son, uh, Webb, has this plastic motorcycle that he loves, and he, he rolls around, and they race cars down the hallway at our house and love those things. And he has this little motorcycle that he don't want anybody to touch. It's his. Right? He's not, he doesn't want to share that. That's, that's his motorcycle. The other day, he comes to me just bawling in tears, holding this motorcycle, and it's in two pieces. And he's just hysterical. Dad, my motorcycle's broken. It's ruined. I said, what happened? He said, Henry. Henry broke it. He threw it, which I believed. I mean, it usually happens. Uh, but I was like, buddy, hey, it's okay. We can probably fix it. Not a big deal. We're good. He's like, no, it's broken. It's, it's ruined. We're going to have to throw it away. Just, just hysterical, emotional, over and over again. I said, Webb, calm down. It's going to be okay. Let me see the motorcycle. 
Let me see if I can fix it. No, it's broken. Just, I'll just go throw it away. Just, just spank Henry is what he said. I said, well, we're not there yet. Hang on. We're dealing with point, problem A first. And I said, buddy, let me see it. He had his head down and was crying. And I said, Webb, look at me and let me have it. Finally, he, he reached out his hands and he looked up and he handed it to me. And I took the pieces and I just snapped the plastic handlebars into the top of the motorcycle. And he said, Dad, you're amazing. And I said, I am. Go tell your mom. She needs to know. She needs to know, right? But what happened? When he looked up and when he gave it to me, his dad, I fixed it. And immediately, he, he's good. He's fine. Man, how often in our life is God saying, let me have it. Stop holding on to it. Listen, God can't fix it. God, God wants to fix the problem in your life. Too often, we're, we're holding on to it. He's saying, let go of it. I've got it. Let go of it. I've got it. God wants to, God wants to fix that broken relationship. God, God wants to fix and mend uh, that, 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 that hurt. God wants to uh, heal that, that wound, whatever it is in your life. But so often, we try to solve it ourselves. We try to fix it. And we're terrible fixers, right? We're, we're not problem solvers. We're problem makers, Give it to the problem solver. This is what David did. He said, listen, I, don't, I can't do this, but, but you, O oh Lord, because of your faithfulness in the past, because of your goodness in my life, I give it to you. The salvation belongs to you. In Ephesians 3, verse 12, says, in Jesus and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. In Jesus, and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence, not because of anything we did. But he says earlier in Ephesians 2, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Because of everything that Jesus has done, we have freedom and confidence. So tonight, what is your confidence in? Is it in you? Is it in your stuff? Is it in your finances, in your retirement, in your uh, 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 um, abilities, or is it in him? Where are you looking? Are you looking at your problems? Are you looking at your life? Or are you looking up at him? Up at him. Hebrews 12 says, Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Here's a, just a bottom, I call it a bottom line statement. I want to leave us with and then a couple questions and we'll be done. I believe this is true. That the presence of God is always with us. But our awareness of it changes. Presence of God is always with us. We see that in scripture but our, our awareness of it changes. I want to illustrate it like this. In Genesis 28, there's a story where Jacob's, I'm not going to read the whole story, just two verses. Jacob's having a dream. And he says, God says to him in this dream, verse 15 of Genesis 28, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. 
for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Verse 16 says, Then Jacob awoke from his dream. Lost my place. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. The presence of God is always with us, but our awareness of it changes. What we need, what we need is a fresh longing and awareness of his presence in our life. Like there's gonna be storms. There's gonna be darkness. Listen, don't, don't let the darkness of the night or the presence of the storm in your life cause you to doubt the goodness of God. The darkness and the storm do not deny his presence. They give opportunity for God to prove his presence. When the disciples went out on the boat, the storm came. They were scared to death. They were little, little chickens. They didn't know what to do. They were saying, what are we going to do? Jesus comes to them in the middle of the storm, walking on the water. It didn't, it didn't deny his presence. It gave opportunity to prove his presence in their life. So here's a couple questions for us as we close tonight. Just to, just, just to take with us to, to respond in these, these themes. Are you living in fear over some issue? What's got your mind racing? What's got you worried? Are you struggling? Second question, are you struggling with with feeling overwhelmed, burdened? Listen, Jesus says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Just give that to me. What, what lies is the enemy telling you tonight? What are you tempted to believe? And are you living in defeat? Or from a place of victory? My hope and my prayer for you, for this church, for this body, for me and my life, is that we would remember the goodness and faithfulness of Jesus over and over and over again in our life. And that would allow us to cause us to live from a place of victory, not defeat. We can look with confidence as we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Don't constantly look at the problems, down at the problems, look up at the problem solver. And his name is Jesus. He will give you hope. He will give you strength. He will give you freedom. Would you bow with me? As we, as we wrap up tonight, would you allow those questions just to process in your soul? We're going to sing a song and we're going to respond. But those questions, I'll, I'll read them again. All right? Allow that to just soak into you. Is this, is this where I'm at? Am I, am I living from a place of confidence? Or am I struck in, in worry and defeat? Am I looking around at the problem instead of looking up at Jesus? We can walk out of here with our heads held high knowing that he loved us so much. God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to take our place on the cross, to live a perfect life, the life that we were supposed to live and didn't because of our sin and died the death that you and I deserved 
but don't have to because of his grace. Was buried and rose again on the third day, defeating sin and death, giving us hope. If you have put your faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus, we can walk out of here with our heads held high, knowing that he is in control. He will never leave us and forsake us. That he has not abandoned us. He has not forsaken us. So these questions, are you living in fear over some issue? If so, maybe you need to talk with somebody about that. Maybe you need to help to process through that. Maybe you're, are you feeling overwhelmed with something in your life? Again, would you, would you, you can lay that at the feet of Jesus tonight. And he'll take it. He'll give you strength to endure, to carry on with whatever you're walking through. What lies are the enemy telling you tonight? Is the enemy telling you tonight? And what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe those lies? Are you going to believe the goodness and faithfulness of Jesus? And his word, that's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to stand and sing this song. However you need to respond, you, you, you respond. I do believe anytime we, we come to the word of God, it demands a response. So what is that for you? Maybe it's just to, just to trust in Jesus more fully tonight. So Father, tonight, I'm thankful for your word. Thankful for the truth of the gospel. That God, even when we're surrounded by the enemy as we've trusted in you for our salvation, we have hope. We don't have to believe the lies that are around us. We can believe the promises that you have bestowed upon us. So thank you for being a good God who gives his children who he deeply loves good things. Allows us to walk in victory and not defeat. So I pray that that, that would be the case here tonight. That, God, we would be people of, of, of victory, people of confidence, people looking up to you. Thank you for being with us. And this is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.